Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Happy Monday, Edwin. Happy Monday, Andrew. Rolling through September. Crazy. But looking at the Gospel of John, happy second week yes, of season of five, five yes. of Text Talk. Yes, we're we're just trucking right along in these New Testament writings of John. That's right, the Apostle, the Beloved. Which, of course, we're John. having to get our head on right because we're also still recording some of, of the Psalms as we're as we're trying to get ahead here. But we're making it. Oh, we're, we're making, making it. it. We're, we're making, making it. So. Lord, Lord willing. Yes. Today uh, is John. Today, today we're talking today about is, John. Today is John. Yes. And uh, and I'm I'm uh, have to call in remote from africa <laughs> no we just did this ahead of time uh, doing it ahead of time doing it ahead of time i hope and obviously even today we're praying for that trip you have that while we're recording is coming and when this airs you're on lord willing amen and so i love everybody to be praying for the work that you're doing with the brethren there in tanzania and uh, let's just go ahead and read john chapter two today Sounds we're going to read the whole chapter on this first day so let's just jump into it throughout the rest of the week we'll pick out bits and pieces to reread but i'm going to read from the english standard version On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to others, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. One of the things that I love uh, reading the progression of John chapter 2 is where we start off, coming off the heels of a couple of disciples beginning to follow him. The end of John chapter 1, we get uh, Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, mm-hmm. 
Jesus is getting a, a group with him. And it still seems to be that small group, disciples and family then, that get to go to a wedding, mm-hmm. right? And and then we, we see the events going on in the temple. But by the end of that chapter, now you have many people uh, believing in him. And so you kind of have this rise of the, of the small group, and you see how it's growing as more and more people are coming to follow him. Even mother and father, excuse me, mother and brothers uh, are, are attending some of this with him. And, of course, we'll know that the brothers and the mother, they have questions later, and that comes out in the Gospel of John, too. But just seeing a, a growth of ministry, a growth of popularity beginning to happen here. We do see that at the same time. I think verses 24 and 25 gives us a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, we, we see that it's growing. We see that Jesus' popularity is taking off. But Jesus is not himself putting a, too much stock in that. Yeah. He's, he's like, these people are following, but nobody needs to bear witness about men to him. He doesn't need to see any signs about men because mm-hmm. he already knows what's in the heart of men. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what's happened. In fact, talking about him knowing what is in man, we've actually already seen that last week as he talked to Nathaniel. Behold an Israelite in whom is no God. That's right. Here's Jesus with this miraculous knowledge that was very impressive to Nathaniel. It was. And Jesus promises Nathaniel, was you, that was that was big to you? That was amazing yeah. to you? That was a sign to you? Listen, you're going to see way bigger things than this. That's right. And then we move into the wedding at Cana yeah. and we start seeing some bigger signs. Yeah, signs. Uh, all of that. And, uh, and signs is certainly one of our keywords for reading, well, the Gospel of John, but John too. It came up several times in our reading today. We should probably, okay, how do I want to say this? When John wrote the Gospel, obviously for every one of us, there's going to be the first time we're reading this Gospel record. And sure. as you're reading through the Gospel record for the first time, you're, every, every story you read, every account, every point, every rhetorical Uh, tool that John uses you get for the first time and and you're starting to learn some things. But I also think we need to remember that John didn't expect this book to be read only once. And Mm -hmm. here here are you and you and me, and we've read this more than once. And so now having read this more than once, as I'm coming back through this again, I know something's going to get said at the end that I am now bringing with me into this chapter. Sure. So let me just go ahead and bring this up. And for anybody who's read it the first time, sorry, spoilers. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert. But, uh, you know, you can can shut this off for the next 30 seconds if you want. But in John 20... Hang on a second, though. When a book is like 2,000 years old, do you still have to give spoiler alert? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, though. (laughs) So spoiler alert. Hit pause. Hit pause on the podcast. Okay. In John 20, verse 30 and 31, here's what John's going to tell us. And it really tells us what the purpose of this entire book is. Yeah. And it's important to bring this up right now because yeah, here's what no, he's going to say. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm. Certainly in the prologue that we discussed last week, John lets the cat out of the bag about who he believes Jesus is and what what he's driving at. And we get to the end of the book and he says, this is why I've chosen the different accounts and events. He says, I could have chosen a lot of other ones. Yeah. I could have chosen plenty. There were so many. In fact, when we get to the end of the next chapter, he's going to say probably all the books in the world can contain it. Right. A little bit of hyperbole maybe. But that point, he says, I have chosen specifically signs— And these signs are intended to show to my readers, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. We see signs kicked off, and I know some would 
probably disagree with me about this, and maybe I don't want to get into wrangling over words. But when I take a look at signs, well, what Jesus did for Nathaniel, Nathaniel took as a sign. He, yeah. when, when Jesus looks into Nathaniel's heart and says that he knows the kind of man he is and then is able to tell him where he was when he hadn't seen him with his eyes, yeah. Nathaniel saw that as a sign, as a pointer, as a marker. I know who you are. Ooh, you really got hit on something there. A pointer, a marker, I know who you are. Yes. So a sign is different than a miracle? Well, I think that's true. We should not necessarily equate the word sign and miracle. Though, okay. look, let's admit it. When you're talking about a sign for who is God, <laughs> good point. Miracles yeah. very often yes. are going to be the sign. Yes. But the word sign itself is just, it's a marker. It's, I mean, it's just like we have signs, signs that say uh, Tampa's that way. Yeah. Okay. Signs <laughs> that say Stop. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> we actually see there, there are lots of things in Scripture that are called signs. So, for instance, circumcision was a sign, according to Romans chapter 4, verse 11. The sign of the covenant that uh, of Israel with God. Sign of the covenant. When mm-hmm. Jews were circumcised, they were, they were placing a marker, a sign, mm-hmm. that they were in covenant with God. I've, Judas, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 48, giving a kiss to Jesus was a sign that's Jesus. That's right. That's how he was going to identify Jesus to the mob. It's a marker and a pointer. Mm-hmm. So Judas said, I'm going to give you a sign when I walk up to this guy in the garden. And it's hard for us to think about that. But keep in mind, it's dark. Mm-hmm. You know, not, no electric lights. They're carrying torches. Yeah. Judas is able to recognize him. And the guards want to make sure they're getting the right person. He says, well, the guy that I kiss... That's the sign. That's the marker. That's the pointer. In Exodus 12 and verse 13, the Passover lamb was a sign. The blood of the Passover lamb right. on the doors on the was yeah. a sign to the Lord Passover. These are faithful people. In Genesis 9, 13, the rainbow is a sign mm-hmm. that God will not flood the earth again. In Exodus 31, 13, the Sabbath is a sign uh, of of the relationship between God and his people. So so the word sign itself does not equate with miracle. The sign is a pointer. It's a marker. And so John is telling us, I have included some signs. Now, again, since what he's trying to point out about Jesus is he is divine, he is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, these signs are going to be miraculous. But But let's understand what a sign is. So these signs, then, is part of the content of the testimony that's being born that Jesus is the Christ. So part of what he's writing is the testimony of various witnesses. We highlighted John the Baptist last week in our reading in John chapter 1. But another aspect of this is look at these signs. These signs, these markers. are demonstrations of power because we're talking about who is the Son of God. In fact, when we get into our next chapter, next week, we'll recognize Nicodemus saying, we know you're from God because unless you're from God, nobody could perform these signs. Now, what is challenging about this, I think, to moderns like ourselves or postmoderns or whatever we are today, skeptical people, uh, is the idea that... uh, Miracles happen. Miracles occur. We're probably more comfortable as a society going with testimony. Oh, okay, somebody saw something and telling you what they saw. But part of John's testimony is, I saw miracles. Yes. I saw these divine demonstrations of power. Recall last week as we were being introduced in chapter one that John, the author, is saying, I want to tell you about this guy I met. Uh Now, now let me tell you some of these amazing things this guy did. Yeah. And all of this, keep in mind, Andrew, is under that 
question, not just who is Jesus, but there's a sub-question there, which prophet is Jesus? Remember right. that from what we talked about last week. We've got the Deuteronomy 13 prophet, who is the testing prophet, who who might perform signs and wonders. Well, that's where it starts, that Deuteronomy 13, he does do signs. Yes. Yeah. But then pay attention to his teaching. Pay attention to his teaching, and this is going to be important. Now, Deuteronomy 18, however, Mm -hmm. tells us that God is going to send the true prophet, the one who is the new Moses. And at the end of Deuteronomy, what's stated clearly is that while Joshua is kind of a fulfillment of that promise, yeah, but... Joshua didn't do the same kind of signs as Moses. Nobody has done what Moses has done. Mm -hmm. As we're going through John, what we're going to hear over and over and over again is a look at these signs and well, how am I going to interpret these signs? Yeah. Are these tests to see if I'm going to stay true to God and he's a false prophet? Or are these signs that are so amazing, mm-hmm. so magnificent, so powerful, so life-giving, so blessing that you know what, this has got to be the prophet. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the new Moses. This is the new David. This is the prophet, priest, and king that we've been expecting. We're going to hear questions like, look, when the Messiah gets here, is he going to perform more signs than this? Yeah, Uh, yes. I mean, and this is where the dividing line is going to be over and over and over again as different people look at Jesus and will say, I can't believe somebody else is going to come along and do more than this. And others are going to say, well, I think he's got a demon. And that's the question we're going to be answering. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I appreciate so much. I I think about uh, John and this writing and the initial audience. You and I have talked about this a little bit, that this gospel is written later than the synoptic gospels. For a second, maybe even a third generation of Christians, they know the stories. They've read some of these writings. But John still has to be mindful of an audience. This um, a polemic, this evidence speaking to the question of the prophet, the Messiah, that is for still a Jewish background audience. The demonstration of power, the deity of Christ, this is for that Gentile audience as well. And so this gospel, I think, masterfully brings all of the signs, all the evidence to, to bear that no matter what your background is, Jesus is the Christ. And if I can just make one more comment, I know we got to wrap up, but as you're talking about it coming later for maybe a second or third generation of Christians, one of the really interesting things that I've never noticed until reading through it again this last time, preparing for our walk through it in our Bible reading. I'm teaching a class for our college yeah, students. Yeah, you got a class right now. Had a couple of studies with people right now where we're going through John, just really intensely in it. One of the things I've noticed is that John does expect his readers to know some of the story already. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. are signs that John includes and that he spells out, but there are also some things where we find John giving signs, if you will, but it's kind of a wink and a nudge. He he says something. He he presents a question that people ask. He doesn't give the answer. But we who know the story of Jesus, oh, yeah, that's a sign, too. So so let's keep our eyes open for that, for those places where, yeah, there's signs that are explicitly stated. But then there's also the the knowing wink and nod of John to those who know the story saying, you know what I'm talking about. You're you're picking up what I'm putting down. (laughs) So let's keep our eyes on that. We need to wrap up. Let's go ahead and lead us in prayer. brother. Our great God and Father, we thank you that we might come to you today in prayer through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, Father, is our mediator. Lord, we are thankful as we read this second chapter of John and so excited to see the beginnings of this ministry as it is reported by the Apostle John. Father, help us to be mindful of 
the wonderful, wonderful story, all of these signs that are pointing to the great truth that Jesus is the Christ, Lord and Savior, the Son of God. And Father, may our faith be built up and may we share the wonder of Christ with others this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.